Okay, my, my guest today is Paul Lawrence. Uh, we go back a, a long way. How are you, Paul? I'm very well. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm going to sort of, um, in the talking, I'll let you sort of introduce yourself. Um, just to kind of set the scene for this conversation, we um, obviously we go back a long way school and so on. And um, I've noticed in the last few months that people who... I normally see eye to eye with on several issues, right? I've I've started seeing things different from I've seen it. You know, things that I, you know, I've I've assumed everybody sees things as A, B, C, and someone has seen it differently. And I think, oh, in all walks of life, you know, so many different things. And um, and I thought it'd be good. I I tried to talk about this the other day, talk about the middle ground, but that was coming from me. So I thought um, that you know I I'm if you like I'm on the side of the conspiracy theorist in a sense not you know i'm not you know and, and you're more skeptical in that sense and um and i thought i would use that to raise a few a few issues um around covid19 around racism etc etc so by way of introduction i i know you're very much involved in something called 100 black men of london indeed yes indeed yeah maybe we can talk about that for a little uh, so yeah, as as you said, you know, we, we go back a very very long way. Um, somewhere along that way, I, I popped up in the UK and um, decided to do some community work, and I I, I joined an organisation called the Hundred Black Men of London, who are a men led charity who work in the community towards um, community change. Um, they the you know, based in London, as the name suggests. Originally, they were in Birmingham, but um, they, that chapter's closed down, and we now run and function in London. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what the 100's about for myself. Um, I've held various posts in the 100, um, but it's mainly about deploying mentoring to the community, for both adults and children. Okay, okay, so it's been a few years then, yeah? Yeah, um, the hundred has been around for twenty-two years. Um, next year, April is something like twenty-two years, if I remember carefully. Yeah, long time. Okay, and uh, apart from that, so you don't work for them as such, do? That's not your daytime job. No, not my daytime job at all. Right now, my daytime job is as a senior project manager with um, one of the larger um, and more profitable London boroughs um, in IT. Uh, that's what I do mainly. Um, I also have a business of my own, um, Just Tickets, um, jus-tickets.com, uh, where people can um, post and advertise their own events and sell tickets from. And I must admit, that, that business is really, you know, it took my imagination from the time you mentioned it and launched it. I've, I've loved it. Um, if people don't know, it's people want to call it the alternative to Eventbrite, but it's just, it's just tickets on. It's just, just tickets. It's fantastic. Um, I know I've seen it grow. I see people are using it more and more. Um, I, I put events on it. It's yeah, it's a fantastic. Um, in fact, we should have a show just talking about just tickets. <laughs> you know, we, we could. I'm sure we will. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's grown tremendously in the last three years. Three years old now. Um, uh, next February will be four years, and yeah. Uh, customers really grow a bit hit by COVID, like everything else. Yes. But we're, we're fine, we're surviving and growing. And what was the inspiration for Just Tickets? Um, wow, inspiration for Just Tickets was, I think, the inspiration turned much of what I do. So for me, um, I, I need to work out what I can do to be 
a good retirement plan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, a, pl- a, a plan which allows me to have income irrespective of where I am at the given time where I choose to retire. And so an online business was something I wanted to do. I wanted something that I knew, first of all, my community could could support yeah. and um, something which we we always use and we're always going to be using. And events just struck me as something that we did. You know, like, like the guy Richard Branson once said, you know, I tried the, the most common website and I didn't like it. So Eventbrite didn't work for me. Um, and so I thought rather than complain, create your own. That's actually, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Fanta. And also, you know, with Eventbrite, we send the traffic to it. You know, I've got, you put events on it and it's not them. Actually, I, I've had maybe one or two people book, you know, by searching Eventbrite, but mostly 99% of the things is you send the traffic there anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Eventbrite, you know, great for what they do, but the reality of the matter is they're not giving you any wonderful service up and beyond because you are the one who still has to market the link. You are the one who has to make sure that all the bits and pieces um, are in front of people who want the book. Um, We've tried to do it slightly differently. So what we try to do is we try to do active marketing on your behalf. Yes. Um, we have a right now we have a six thousand person um, database. Uh, we have another six hundred people on the WhatsApp, and we market to them every single week. Okay, so that's jus-tickets.com. Dot com. Yep. Okay. There you go. Brilliant. All right. So we were um, we were talking like for example one of the things that um, we. I won't say we differed on. We were talking about something like five G radiation, right? Yeah. At the, right at the beginning of this this sort of COVID nineteen uh, outbreak, when it was still called coronavirus, <laughs> the um, there was a whole thing about Wuhan and where it came from and the bats and and the soup or whatever it was and and so on, and then there was a the whole thing tying five G radiation into that, right? And um, so. Let's say that um, my own position, I suppose, is that, yeah, you know, all, all these 4G, 2G, all these radiations, electricity pylons produce radiation and radiation and it does what it does to you. It harms people in some way. Um, and so therefore, when what the story was, what the people, the five that um, Wuhan had the first full 5G coverage or something yeah. like that, that was a, the situation and that people were getting sick from radiation and were dropping down like flies and it wasn't necessarily the virus it was it was being said it was the virus etc to sort of cover up the damage done by 5g radiation you you didn't really buy that oh no um (laughs) you know the 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 the, there's several reasons why i didn't buy it um primarily because i have worked in it um in telecommunications for the last 30 odd years and so i know stuff about 5g 4g you name it i know stuff about it which is not in the public domain but i also know stuff which is in the public domain but people don't know and so for example you know when when one of the things around 5g was that you know the lockdown was a cover to allow um the the companies to roll out the 5g Mm -hmm. um I, i happen to know which is totally researchable, that 5G has been alive and well for 
uh, by now over two and a half years. Okay. <laughs> and so the, 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 the things we saw people running in the ground were, were fibers. But actually, people like O2 have had a 5G product, which has been out for two years. Uh, Vodafone is very much the same. Yes, of course, radiation of all types can be dangerous at the right levels. But as someone who has actually installed radio antennas which carry mobile signals across London, I, I, I just kind of know that it's like everything else. You know, the sun is radiation, but it's about how much. It's about how little. And the bottom line is the people who we think are conspiring to harm us via these methods, which, which, is, which is one of the basis of this conspiracy theory that somehow it is a conspiracy to harm us. They are not invulnerable to radiation. And the way radiation works, the way these antennas work, is that there's no sort of, oh, we're going to point it at Peckham or we're going to point it at Brixton. You don't get that option. Once the antenna is there, it just goes. So unless they, in terms of you know fulfilling the conspiracy, unless they have the anti-5G drug which they have given only to them and their friends, okay. they definitely can't get to it with anybody else. Okay, so you're, you're not saying that 5G doesn't necessarily, or anything else, emit some sort of, that could be harmful radiation? No, absolutely not, because all radiation is harmful in the correct doses. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's the same thing with water. If you drink too much water, it's harmful. The bottom line is that there's, there's, just, there's just not enough 5G to make it uh, useful. And, and, you know, the way I look at any conspiracy theory is this, is that, let's be straight, if somebody had the, the wherewithal to try to poison us via 5G, there's so many more far more effective methods of doing it that 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 just strikes me as inefficient. Okay, all right, we're sort of getting there. So just on the sort of with five G, do you think it's been a necessary um, technology? Is it? Is it? Do we do we need it? Um, do we need it? Um, wow, having worked again in IT and technology for the last whatever years, I I remember. When I first started to use the internet at home, we had a, a 64K dial-up modem that screeched every time you tried to access the internet. Yeah, we know that. Um, I remember, you know, taking half an hour to download a couple of megs of stuff. Do we need it? You know, that's totally driven by us. It's totally driven by our impatience for everything. So when when you hear a company marketing how fast something is and how much you can download, that's the public. That's us in the public saying we need it. That's us saying we don't want to wait 30 minutes to download a piece of software. That's us talking about, well, we want to be able to process faster and bigger things. So the question you're asking, do we need it? The, question, the answer is... No, we don't need it, but we want it. <laughs> yeah, okay. we want it. Yeah, a need is something you can't do without. Of course, we could wait a little bit longer. Why do we want to have the ability to watch movies on the go on a small device, which is inconvenient? <laughs> we don't need to watch the episode of anything when we're on the train, but we want to. And that's what these companies are in the business of satisfying our wants. It's not a need, you know, you, you can go to other places 
other countries across the world and you don't have it. But we want speed. Yep. We, our companies here, they depend upon our drive for ever faster, bigger computers, faster processors. That's what, that's what they're doing. And they're just filling our wants, not our needs. Okay. All, all right. I'm going to now, all of us wear different hats. So I would say that if I'm that as a, as a black man in the UK, as a Muslim in the UK or anywhere, as a Jamaican, whatever, you know, whatever hat you're wearing each time, I would have seen um, negative press, right? Negative press, things that I think are unfair, unjust, lies, etc. Um, what is your experience of that yourself? How would you then judge things of what we call, there's, um, you know, the, people are saying in a sense that people are led by the media, people are being hoodwinked by the media and by the government. What's your sort of view on that, you know, your experience, your views on terms of the mainstream media and what we hear from the government? Well, this, this is why I have a lot of sympathy with so-called conspiracy theorists, because there is absolutely no doubt that the government, in conjunction with the media, feed us all sorts of rubbish. There's absolutely no doubt. I, I can remember many, many, many years ago, I had just returned from a trip to Jamaica, and at the same time, Jamaica was in the international news. I, I can't even remember what the, the news item was about, but I do remember tuning into a radio station, which, let's just say, has recently gone national, and I remember the report that they gave of the same incident that I was I witnessed back home in Jamaica, and the report was absolutely inaccurate. They then went on to 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 interview a representative of the Jamaica High Commission, who, in his interview, made it very very clear that the report was inaccurate. And thirty minutes later, in the in the half past news, they repeated the inaccurate information. Now, I don't believe these things are accidental. I don't think these things are simple human error. I think very much there is an agenda in order to paint people in a certain way to, to you know, I'm not a Muslim, but I can happily say that I've seen article after article designed with only the purpose in mind of, of painting anybody who is of the Muslim religion in a certain way. And I've seen similar in terms of how they report on incidents about black people and anybody who doesn't conform to what they consider to be the mainstream. So that's why I have a lot of sympathy with conspiracy theorists because at the end of the day, I have seen too many examples where the media, in conjunction with the government, has been used to manipulate our, our outlook. You, you just need to take up any daily newspaper during any crisis and you will see the very distinct and clear differences therefore biases of the mainstream newspapers if you have the daily mail you have the express you have the telegraph sorry the telegraph you have all of these newspapers who present a single side of the story so you know when you had the election uh, the labor struggle to get any positive press, doesn't matter what the Tories did, they always got the positive press. And that leaves a lasting impression on the people. Yeah? And so 
we 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 are guided by these messages. These messages are total and complete. Another fine example would be just before um, a, a a the the Brexit the Brexit vote. What we had was program after program mm. about benefits cheats, and ninety nine percent these were foreigners. There was program after program, and what it did, it cemented in the minds of people that your benefits were being taken by foreigners. And, you know, the cases were real, but it was about the focus, yeah. the repeated focus of it. And so, yeah, absolutely, there's no doubt in my mind that the, the media, in conjunction with whoever has the power at the time, and we have to remember, all these newspapers, all these TV stations, they all have editors. They all have people who, who make a decision as to what goes in the news. They make a decision as to what the slant of the news will be. So they ultimately decide what information you're going to be getting on a single event, how they will twist it and how they will turn it. And, you know, you, you know let, let's, let's go to the U.S. Let's look at the difference between Fox and CNN. You know, they will both report on the same thing and it will be totally in line with their political allegiance. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's true. And also the fact that when people stop reporting on things, you know, at the same time, that's also quite, you know, quite starting sometimes, isn't it? Considering what's course, going on in the world, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all about what's in the public eye, what's of importance, what's of interest. So, you know, you, you, you'll get something like, you know, the UK government has failed yet again to create a trace and track um, thing which they they said was central to their response, and that's that's reported on in, in one broadcast, and it's finished. Okay, actually, come you've, you've in a sense you 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 jump forward. There's if we if we talk about I know we we okay we talked about well we didn't talk all about it the the, the beginning of the COVID situation whether you believe it was um even if you believe it was the radiation or you believe it was the bats or you believe it was the um. Chinese deliberately letting it go, or the Americans forcing the Chinese, whatever. Um, so um, there's this COVID nineteen that is released. Where are you on that? There's so many bits to look at. There's the creation of it. There's the spread of it. There's the number of deaths. There are the cures. Then it's the whole thing of vaccines. So, in terms of um, the creation of COVID, do you have a? Um, how do you take that? If you like, in a sense, I know you're not you're not the completely anti any conspiracy theory, but from a you're a man who's sort of an engineer in that sense and work in science. So, how do you take the whole thing of the creation of where it came from? Well, I I I am conflicted, uh, and I sound conflicted because of all of what I said before this. So, I don't trust the authorities. <laughs> you know, I I don't trust any set of the authorities. I don't trust the Americans, I don't trust, trust the British, I don't trust the Chinese. And so nothing any of them say appeals to me as a matter of course. What, what I do know is that people I know passed away and doctors I know have said it is due to this COVID thing. So for me, COVID is real, yeah? For me, it is new. How it started, I don't know. Too many stories. You know, we hear that it's a virus that jumped from species to species. So it started in a, in a, in a, in a market. 
in, in Quran, we heard that it was a it was a, a chemical test in China. We hear that the CIA had labs. We hear this. We hear that. What I do know is that how it started doesn't affect me. What does affect me is what's happening on our streets. Whether it's forty six thousand people who have died from it here in the UK and across and others across the world, that affects me directly. So. And I think this is where I, I, I get a bit exacerbated with the, um, the the conspiracy theorists. We have to start to think about what's more important. Is it more important that we we spend columnage after columnage deciding who started it, which is what you know someone like President Trump would like us to do and call it the Chinese virus? Is that more important, or is it more important that we accept the fact that look, something's out there. We're calling it COVID nineteen right now. How do I protect myself and my family? There is that, I suppose. But then also, you know, I've known um, people who have died, but, um, and been checked and said they didn't have COVID-19 when they initially came to the house. Then, because of all the bureaucracy involved, they, people have gone to the hospital and they said, well, if, you, if we can just say it's COVID-19, you can get the body released for burial much quicker. So with that, and then obviously in America, people are talking about how much money people get if they if they classify something as COVID. And it seems that, um, you know, people are dying of other things but may have this COVID-19 as well. But it's it's the COVID-19 that's being classified, for example. So it seems that you can't necessarily trust even the statistics that we all know. No, no. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't. And, you know, I, I, I happily hold my hand up and, and agree with that. You can't trust statistics, but you can also not trust the fact that people do things for all sorts of spurious reasons, and people make comments. They do things. You know, what I do know is that people I know have been in hospital. I live down here in Croydon, and I know people who have been into hospital for COVID, and they have described in detail what has happened to them. They have described in detail what is on the rest of the ward. And I do know that it wasn't like this last year. It wasn't like this the year before. And so rather than me spend the time trying to unravel why one person would label a death, a COVID death, when it's not, my biggest thing is this. Look, there's something out there. I can't put my finger on it. I don't have medical training. I don't have the, the ability to tell you for sure that it is or is not COVID and that that person died. But what I do know, there's something out there. And it's not going to take anything off me to stay home and avoid it. Okay. It doesn't take anything off me to stay home and avoid it. Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. Now, in a sense, then that comes up to the whole thing of like a definition of a conspiracy theory, in a sense. or is a con So... It the conspiracy is sort of saying that well that there are people who would take advantage or manipulate a situation or fabricate a situation or create a situation in a sense in order to for some gain for themselves to, to achieve some gain they want for themselves in a sense that's loosely a definition that somebody's taking advantage of something or creating something for their own benefit that may harm other people. Um, and it's hard, think, it's hard to come back. Go on. I think a conspiracy theorist goes a bit further 
because I don't think there's anybody naive enough not to know that there are people out there who are plotted against us mm. and that they are trying to take advantage of situations. I think that's a given, and I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I, I wouldn't call somebody who's thinking along those lines as a conspiracy theorist. Where it becomes a, a conspiracy theory is that the word conspiracy talks about multiple people, multiple people sort of collaborated secretly to make that thing happen. And, and what what is happening more and more, and, you know, we've had reports of it, we know people who do it, we've had these people who sit down and they wake up in the morning, they, they, they'll do something like this, for example. They'll send something around that says, as of January the 1st, 2021, Facebook are going to be charging for us to use Facebook. And before you know it, I'm getting it 15 times on my on my Steve on my phone. Yeah, People are saying, "Yeah, they they know that about Facebook." Oh, but let, let, let me give you a more recent example. We had the big upturn about how 5G was allowing the government to plant the track and trace on our phones. There was an alert sent out by all mobile phone providers, which talked about. If you wanted to, to do track and trace, what your phone could do. This thing turned up in everybody's phone and people panicked. People said, yes, look, the government has put this thing on my phone. It is proof. And I'm like, guys, no. They have used a text system to put a message on your phone in time of pandemic. This is a system which is no different from a, a, a normal system that we have had for alerts throughout the so-called world for years. People panicked. People saw this message on their phone, which they didn't know how it got there, and they panicked. And they, they used it as proof that something sinister was happening. And it wasn't. And here we are, Six months down the line, the UK government is still struggling to get a track and trace app out, much less to believe that they planted this thing on our phone six months ago. So it, it, it's not just the belief that there's people out there to get up, trying to get us, because there are, but it's about how wide we think and how we start to see shadows when there aren't no shadows and how we start to make conclusions about things which actually are easily explained and we close our ears to those explanations and we start to we start to think that everybody who who understands what it is is asleep and that you know they need to wake up and that, that's that's what I was told repeatedly when I pointed out how that message got on our fault. And again, I work in technology. I understand the technology. And I, I can assure you, I'm not an agent. <laughs> yeah. uh, someone said recently too that um, you can't wake up people who are pretending to be sleeping. Exactly. Right? So, so I mean, there's, there is also that. So, okay, we've the big one, if you like, is well, it includes vaccines, but... <clears throat> Where you want. Some people have said, and I and I've played stuff, and I've seen stuff where people have said the masks are useless, and some say it's um. Then there's the other thing where people say, but you're protecting other people, and others say it's completely useless. Then there's the the thing about isolation. You know, in in um 
you know, to this point in history, it's always been the sick that have been isolated, isn't it, or quarantined. So this is the first time I know where they're healthy. And then that will, will, that goes on to the whole thing of vaccines. So where are you, the whole thing of, you know, you said you don't mind being isolated if it, um, it sort of keeps you safe. So where are you, the whole thing of isolation in terms of its necessity and also the harm? Maybe I'm the wrong person because I have always lived a socially isolated life. Okay. So, so for me, it's like Christmas. It's like, wow, thank you. You know, look, I, I grew up in a country where it was customary to cover your mouth when sneezing. You know, yeah. that, that something. I grew up in a country where washing your hands was a given. It was a done thing. It's something we did. We didn't need to be told to wash our hands. We didn't need to be told that you should cover your mouth. We didn't need to be told that you shouldn't be breathing people's faces. So okay. the, bottom line, the bottom line for me is very, very simple. If there is a contagious airborne thing, then in my very simple mind, wearing a mask helps. It is not a cure that I this is this is where, especially in the question of vaccines, people need to understand. Vaccines are not a cure. That is not what a vaccine does. It doesn't cure something. What it does, it prevents you from getting it. So when people say, well, you know, they're talking about masks and they want to force a vaccine on us, well, look, the problem we have is that we don't trust the government. And so if we were to think about historically, when it came to vaccines, when it came to precautions about quarantines, covering your mouth, all of those, tried and tested and have worked. But now all the years of deceit are catching up with the authorities. And that's the problem. So polio has more or less been removed from the planet because of vaccines, measles, smallpox, all of these deadly diseases have been controlled through vaccines, but we don't trust the government. And so as a consequence of not trusting the government, and if I'm gonna be honest with you, this is my greatest fear. My greatest fear is that the lack of trust in the government, which is right because of the things they have historically done to black and brown people in the world, makes us now skeptical about things which actually may be good for us. That's where that's where my head is now. There are perfectly good things that, you know, if you go to Jamaica, you go to Africa, you go to places where people are getting on with their lives, they have very low incidence of, of, of COVID, by the way, relative to everything else. But there's, no, there's not this great skepticism about vaccines. We have it here because we think of ourselves as more informed. We think of ourselves as having more visibility of the threat these governments have placed upon black and brown people. It is worrying that we are moving away. If, if you think even, you know, if you step away from vaccines. So a friend of mine, she, she received a, a kidney transplant last year and she was lucky. Black people don't even donate organs. Because why? Oh, well, you know, if I sign up for that register, they're going to kill me and take my organs before I'm really dead. Oh, I didn't know that. I better not sign up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's a legitimate fear 
because of the history we have with medical experimentation on black and brown people. Right. And so we have been pushed into this corner where as a defense mechanism, we start to make up our own stories. Some are true, the vast majority are not. And obviously vaccines, uh, the, the way people have used vaccines from all over, you know, in the States and also all over Africa in sort of sterilizing people and the things that have come from it. So there is definitely you know a healthy skepticism or distrust of not so much even the governments but the the big pharmaceutical companies in a sense is what um which which, which, are, which are the government let, let's, let's face it you know big pharma supports these governments yeah they they, they, they exactly so for us they are one and all so we we have to toe the line we have to make a decision you know one of the things i said to someone about about everything is that it is illogical it is illogical to assume that Big Pharma wants to reduce population in the world. It is illogical. It makes no sense. Why? Because their entire capitalist model is based on consumption. And consumption is based on numbers. The last thing they want to do is reduce the amount of us are out there to buy their stuff, their junk. There's stuff that nobody really needs, but we want. Then what about yeah. someone like a, a Bill Gates who has now moved into funding so much big farm and research, but his whole philosophy is based on, you know, um, depopulating the world or whatever. So how do you sort of say no, that? No, no such thing. So Bill Gates made one mistake, and the mistake he made was in a speech when he was asked what is the biggest threat in Africa, he said it is a matter of population. And everybody stopped listening when he said that. Because in his next sentence, what he actually said was, it is about the resources available to that population. He said if the resources in the rest of the world were fairly shared, the population numbers in Africa would not be a problem. But when you have places where you have massive population with low resources, it is a problem. Now, people interpreted that as him saying, oh, well, you know what, we need to depopulate the world. Yet those of us here in the West who, for example, benefit from things like contraceptive, that's why people in the West don't have 10, 15 children, because we're using contraceptives, whether we want to admit it or not, whether it's a condom, whether it's a pill, whether it's an injection, we are using contraceptives. And by the way, we are using, um, in some cases, abortion as a method of contraceptive. African Africans in some villages don't have access to that. And so what you find in some areas, not no, in some, you have ladies who are pregnant every single year, year in, year out. Those who don't lose the children through poor pregnancies end up with children who are hungry and unable to feed. Now, what the Gates Foundation is, and by the way, I'm no supporter. I'm just telling you what I have found. Okay. The Gauss Foundation said anybody who wants contraception should have access to it. There's never been a single recording in all the polls that people have put up saying, here is him admitted, here is in this. 
Never. You listen to it. He never says this. He has never said this. And I tell you what, he could never say it. But that's a great example of how a conspiracy theory has taken life. And now it's almost pointless that you point out to anyone that, look, <laughs> he didn't say that. He didn't say it. He never acted in that way. I'm, I'm I'm admit, I, I've seen some pretty damning stuff on him. I shall re-examine a lot of the stuff I've seen. Um, Only listen to what he says, because there's lots of cases where people are saying, here he is, admitted it. And just filter out the narrative that people put on it. Just listen to what he says. And you, like me, will discover that he never said that. And his foundation has never acted it. We, we, we even had, you know, this case where somebody edited a picture of the foundation and added words outside the wall. And, you know, it's like, it's not true. But everybody was like, oh, my God, look at what they, they call themselves. It's just not true. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I will do that. That will be, um, which is good. I shall actually do that. I've, I've, I've got a lot of stuff sent to me, and I shall actually go over it with that intention to actually see, actually, what, what am I getting from him directly? And I must admit, I'm not a, I'm not a great fan of, um, of Bill Gates. From I'm, I'm, more, I'm more worried. Yeah, I'm more worried about the rich people from these countries who instead of investing money in their countries are buying flats and apartments in the UK, in New York, in LA with their money and then turning around and fueling our fear of someone like Bill Gates. You know, if Bill Gates was the, the worldwide criminal that he is, why, why, why don't these people just stop him? I think because he they say because he, he he funds he funds the police and the government so whatever anyway, okay we'll we'll that is something which I shall um you know I, I think you know otherwise we'll go on about him because he's um he's so much in the news now and he has such he does have such a far an international reach so um which itself is pretty much pretty frightening I think I think the, I think the major thing to do when you think about any of his research is this. Just remember that Bill Gates' biggest crime is that he is pro-abortion and pro-contraceptive. And that does not sit well with the conservative right wing in his home country of America. Okay. Yep. And as long as you remember that, then you can you can start to make your way through why he has the he has the, the image portrayed and a lot of this image by the way is not coming from africa it's coming from america okay all right so this is good so so it was we you've um yeah we we're seeing things differently but it's good i said i'm getting this uh, a different view of things because you sometimes you're in your own bubble and you think everybody thinks like you uh, especially if people got any kind of similar background which actually i mean our own background we went to the same school we lived in um were you in Spanish Town? Yeah, of course. Where? Spanish Town. I lived in um, um, up first Edsom City for a while, up by Winter Pen behind GC Foster. Yeah, that's where I grew up. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure. At one point, I thought you came from Ola, but then I said, no, you don't come from Ola. So, okay, okay. So you're right in Spanish Town. We went to the same school. Um, I'm sure you um, you touched UTEC at some time, cast at some point. Absolutely, yeah. yeah that's we... where I, I, after I left there. 
Wintercast. Yeah, okay, yes. And um, I remember once going in for, when I was at CAST, which is UTEC now, um, University of Technology was a CAST then. I went for the interview at the JDF for officer training. And I was told, you know, why don't you come back when you graduate and so on. But I'm sure you you did some training with JDF as well, Jamaica Defence Force. Yeah, absolutely. So um, quite a number of us, um, the current the current commanding officer, um, uh, Anthony Anderson, Okay. Um, me, me and Anthony were at cast together. Um, I met Anthony because we were both swimming and training as lifeguards. Okay. And um, I, uh, we both went into the JDF. Yeah, I spent a while in the JDF. Not as long as I had hoped, but um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I know I met Anthony. Um, other guys from our school, people like, um, well, we used to call him Zalukas. Yeah. Loxley, Loxley Thomas, Captain Loxley Thomas now living in the US. So yeah, our school had a long tradition of guys joining the JDF. Yeah, and even my old classmate, you know, Mr. McCalla <laughs> was in there as well. Indeed, yeah. indeed, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I know that. So I'm saying, so those similarities, uh, you know, go, go right back, don't they? Those sort of, um, and you've done the whole thing, traveling from Spanish down to Kingston all the time. And <laughs> you you wrote a lovely piece, I'm sure, that made me laugh, actually, about, um you know, traveling in a minibus, um, getting back to Spanish town and having just that, that time to chat up a girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's your, your window of opportunity. Yeah, from the time you leave six miles to Guinness Carnivore, that's your, that's your whole window of opportunity. Okay, so... I was, um, I was, you know, you know, I'm Muslim and I, there was a, I know a um, guy from London, you know, white Muslim guy. We, we, we see lots of things eye to eye. We talk about, and when it came up to this situation of um, this man they killed in America, um, was it George Floyd? George Floyd, yeah. And the whole, what was going on around that and the sort of protest and so on. And we had a conversation and and he surprised me. This person surprised me in how he saw things. Um because you know you know what happens. Some people say, Well, this guy was a criminal, so what's all the fuss about? That's kind of one argument. Um others say, Well, Black Lives Letter Black Lives Matter is led by some dodgy people. So you know, so what's why were you supporting them? Um, and also, this person didn't see why we thought there was any kind of race involvement in the killing of this man, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I was so I was I was um, I was kind of shocked. I thought, oh, so it seems like if unless the policeman had his sort of his knee on that person's neck and he was arresting another white guy at the time and was just stroking his head. He couldn't see the difference. Or if the person wasn't saying you, you dirty black this or whatever at the time when he was kneeling on him, he didn't see why we were saying there was a sort of racial element. Um, so I was very surprised that someone could see things that way and went on to tell me things to do with um, how, um, you know, it, it doesn't really happen in the UK. And also, you know, people... He was taught by his father how to address a policeman, you know, uh, and so on. So I was really shocked that people could see things that way. Do you do you kind of empathise with them at all? Do you see where they're coming from? 
Um, no, I, 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 I don't see where he's coming from. Um, and, and, and I'm going to say this, I am no longer shocked that there are people who don't see it that way. Now, let, let, let's clear up a few bits and pieces. The, the, the sentence for being a criminal is not death. Thank you. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So let, let's, let's just be crystal clear. Irrespective of what George Floyd may have done or may not have done, that policeman did not have the right to execute him. That's that. Let, let's be crystal clear. The, the America claims to have something called due process. He should have been afforded due process. Let us be abundantly clear about that. Mm-hmm. Number, number two, Black Lives Matter. I support the idea. I support the concept. I support the slogan, Black Lives Matter. I don't care who random people wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt sleep with. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't concern me at all. What I care about is the theory, the concept, the belief, Black Lives Matter. If somebody wants to deflect, and that's what they're doing, by the way, if somebody wants to deflect from the message of Black Lives Matter to pinpoint who they think the founding members sleep with, are, are funded by, that's your bit. I've never donated any money to Black Lives Matter. So if Warren Betty or Beatty or whoever wants to fund them, good on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Warren Beatty's the actor, no? Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. They're not, they're, not, yeah. they're not spending my money. Yep. So who they sleep with is of no consequence. But what people are doing is rather than face the, the, the raw reality that we are living in a time, and I'll come to the UK in a second, where Americans have demonstrated repeatedly, the uh, American police forces have repeatedly demonstrated that when compared to white lives, black lives do not matter to them. Anybody who wishes to deny that, I don't need to talk to you. Because if you have any doubts about that, we just had a young man walking down the street with an assault rifle who shot two people and he was arrested in a way which I would expect them to arrest everybody else. Yep. He was even allowed to go home first. Yet an unarmed, unarmed black man who, by the way, at the time of his execution, the police officer did not know he had a criminal record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, the, this is the, 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 the detail which people who always say, oh, but he was a criminal. They don't remember that at the time of execution, nobody knows this guy's a criminal. Maybe it's just assumed. It's it part and parcel of the media that what they do is when our people, black and brown people, die, they dig up their past. They provide us with the worst pictures of them. Yep. While they provide innocent pictures of whites. So that's that. But as in terms of racism in the UK, I tell you this. If the UK police were regularly armed in the same way American police were, we would have the same situation. Mm. Yep. 
It is just that the American police forces are militarized. They carry arms re uh, regularly. That's their normal day-to-day. -day. If our police here in the UK, our stats would be no different. And if you don't believe me, just take a check on the assaults that take place here in the UK. Take a check as to deaths in custody here in the UK. It's no joke. Yep. Okay. All right, so you're saying that uh, it, we're, we're complacent here, but uh, actually it's, it's really just as bad, but... We're, we're, we're complacent because the Brits, the Brits have always exercised a more polite way of racism. Okay, so... All right, so generally then, what do you... What do you... I, I came to the conclusion last week that, wow, a lot of things... A lot of things mean we have to look at the statistics, we have to look at the stats... Um, even though stats can be manipulated, but somehow we have to find a way um, to start looking at at least what stats are there. You know, even like with the deaths of the COVID nineteen, you have to start with you have to start with the ones that are actually recorded, um, and then see the death rates and compare that to you know whatever the flu or whatever you want to compare it to, because um, you know um, even though we know maybe they may be uh, some say underreported and some say overreported. But we have to start with the stats. So you're saying the same thing in a sense that look at the stats when it comes to racism in the UK. Yeah, or, I don't understand it. Or, or always look at the stats. Statistics for me, you're right. You know, stats can be made to do what they want. But if you if you look hard enough, you will see the stats. So let let's not forget that even when the Daily Mail um, did their own survey, for example, where they took exactly identical CVs and they changed the name one to a Muslim black African sounding name and one to a white Anglo-Saxon sounding name and their results said that they got far 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 more positive responses to the CV with the white name now the Daily Mail are not our friends they have no need to make this up that's the reality Look before your very eyes. Uh, you know, some group does a dance on British Got Talent. 22,000 complaints because they dare to speak about Black Lives Matter. Look at the, 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 the threats to people like Anthony Joshua, yeah, where he's been told that he should stop talking politically and just box. It was the same language that was used over um, American basketballers, American football players being told that they had no right to say anything political. All they should do is do the sports that they're there. Look at the vitriol that these people get for standing up for black lives. Yep. If we have any doubt that the, uh, racism is universal, then it is our heads that are in the sand. Yep. Racism is alive and well. I will admit that Americans are more overt of it, but it doesn't mean that the Brits don't do it as well. Okay, well, you raised something, and I think probably a good point to kind of um, uh, finish on, in a sense, um, sport, <laughs> right? That um, the, the role of sport, um, we'll talk about where, where you see that. You've just talked something about the role of sports, men and women. And, you know, and, and again, we, we come from a school where we've... Um, we've um, with a good sporting tradition, uh, tradition. I know you represented our school at, um, was it Discus and Shotput? Well, de definitely Discus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and um, along with my uh, my old classmate there, Timothy, <laughs> Paul Timothy Williams, yeah. of course. Um, 
and you know we love champs you know you know actually my first race at St. Jago I was in third form which would have been class three I would have been in at that time and they put me in a hundred meter race on the um after school and including the race was Bertland Bertland Cameron <laughs> for those who don't know he was he became 400 meter world champion um from our school and he was much older than us and um and I really got disheartened I, I hadn't been from England long and I thought I was really quick and I raced against uh, actually I didn't realize I was class three I didn't realize uh, about the class things yet so um I raced against people and well I didn't do as well as I thought I should and I just got disheartened so that was my my track career over <laughs> I could have been a contender <laughs> so um in in terms of that it's you know olympic year that's been postponed um we we've seen uh hamilton wearing a, a t-shirt as well that's been people say it's provocative we've seen um um so many things so generally what's just what's your take on uh sport is it is it should it be politicized should it not um is it just a distraction too is it part of the conspiracy like the the um opium of the masses what do you say well, if if, 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 if if sports people do not take political stances, then yes, it is just the opium of the masses. Yeah? If, if all they are are performers who we wheel out to cheer every Saturday and we, 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 we spend three hours distracted by their performances and they have nothing political to say, then it, it, it is pure, unadulterated opium for distraction purposes. I think it is vital that our sportsmen and women stand up for whatever causes they, they, they feel strongly about. Why? Because if they don't stand up and they are independently wealthy, yep, so someone like, like Hamilton, they can't touch him. Well, yep, because time after time, he will sit in that Mercedes and he's going to win. He's proven to be the best driver pound for pound of our age, they can't touch him. If he can't speak up, if he doesn't speak up, how can anybody else? Our, our great and our good are supposed to take that mantle. And we're, we're going right back to the days of Tommy Smith. Mm. Yeah, with the Black Power salute on the stage. These guys lost their careers. The Australian guy, or was he New Zealander? Sorry, the New Zealander who was on the podium with them wearing the black armband, he lost his career just because he wore the black armband. So we need to understand that there's, first of all, a very long tradition of protest by sports people. That is the first thing we need to understand. Nobody was upset when Hitler refused to give the medal to Jesse Owens. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because that, that's okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that was Hitler making a political statement of, the, of, of massive sense. The bottom line I'm trying to say is this. Absolutely. I love to see our sportsmen saying, look, it's not just good enough that I entertain you, but I'm going to take the opportunity to educate you. And that's what they're doing. Okay. All right, I'll tell you that. So, um... We'll 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 sort of wrap it up though. Anything anything coming up in the in the in the near future that you'd like to tell anybody about? Any any? I know things have been quiet with the just tickets and uh, one hundred um, black men of London because of the whole lockdown. But anything um any events coming up in the pipeline? That, uh... all, all I can say to people is just head over to the site, 
um, www.just-tickets.com and, and take a look. There are still lots of events taking place all over the UK, and there are still lots of events on the site um, because what people have done, quite rightly, as humans do, yeah. we've adapted. So where we couldn't do things face-to-face, there's been a whole lot of stuff that is now being done online. Um, everything from how to budget, how to invest, um, how to run your business better, um, some amount of entertainment, it's all there. Just go to all events, take a look for yourself, book your tickets. Um, life has not stopped. Okay, well, that's a, cons- that's a conspiracy that we've been forced, we've been forced to go digital. <laughs> it's all yeah, and, and, and you know what? As, as a lifelong engineer, I say good on you. Um, you know, but, but how do you think I stay employed if we're not changing technology? <laughs> so, so you're the, it's you and Bill Gates together behind it, I think. Okay, well, me and Bill, man. I, I I hear people say they don't want all this digital, and I'm like, guys, you're trying to put me out of business. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Okay, listen, Paul. We'll, we'll we'll call it. Thank you so much for that. We'll we'll catch up again in the future. I know. Yeah. So yeah, you're very very welcome, and, and thanks for having me on. No problem. Take it easy. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye.